The Agora podcast is covered by a BIPCOT no-gov license. Use and reuse is free and encouraged by anyone except governments or their agents. Find out more at BIPCOT.org. operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part, and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. You were born free, you got fucked out of half of it, and you wave a flag celebrating. <laughs> Central authority has just embedded right in it uh, its own problem, and that is that it means a few people make decisions for many people. All right, welcome back to the Agora Podcast. It's Penguin uh, coming at you. Uh, it's your home for agorism, radical decentralization, localism, and anti-authoritarian concepts. Um, we have an episode once again with just the two of us and no, no uh, special guests. We are each other's guests. It's uh, Sec and Penguin coming at you on the Agora Podcast, talking about Ukraine, um, the ongoing situation in Eastern Europe, and uh foreign policy or global affairs, whichever one you'll call it more broadly. Um, we do kind of talk about it in terms of foreign policy because of just the libertarian movement and the Ron Paul and other libertarian related uh, aspects of the peace movement, you know, peace and anti-war movement. Um, but obviously uh, the scope is way beyond, uh, you know, U.S. government's policy or just uh, different government's policy overseas. Of course, we're both big anti-war guys. Um, so, Sec, what do you? What were your first thoughts when, as this uh, situation in Eastern Europe was unfolding, or if you want to share what you were thinking in the lead up to all this? Because I mean, there's a lot of you know, this was a big thing went before the dam suddenly broke. Yeah, I've been paying attention to Ukraine for quite a long time, and um, well over ten years, maybe more. And I've been concerned for a while that this would be the uh, end result. And of course, this being the end result, the fear is obviously like a, a World War Three or thermal nuclear war. So when I saw that, um, well, when I first saw that Russia um, recognized the republics in the Donbass as um, as uh, what do you call it? Sovereign as, as legitimate, you know, I, I knew that was going to be a problem, but I thought that would be kind of the end of it. And um, it seemed like early on that Biden w 
wanted wanted to negotiate um with with putin um he gave him some verbal assurances of this or that thing and um apparently they couldn't come to some um agreement um in writing and um you know putin rolled into ukraine so my first thoughts were we're going in a fucking thermonuclear war that was my first fear um you know world war one and world war two started over less than what we're seeing right now um the difference being that we have nukes now so there's more of a deterrence than there might have been in the first two world wars so that's still a concern and i was very surprised to see um Putin tried to seemingly try to take um, the majority of Ukraine as opposed to, you know, maybe the Donbass and, you know, some of the surrounding areas where he might have some ethnic Russian support. Um, but uh, he appears to be going for Kiev. And this is bad. This is uh, like a everyone should be concerned about this and everyone should be calling for diplomacy or some kind of ceasefire um you know i it, my uh, my sympathy goes to the the fucking ukrainian just the regular ukrainian people in this and the russian people in the sense that um they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place you know the i don't know the unstoppable force meets the immovable object between the United States and Russia. And none of the, none of them deserve this at all. Um, hey, all sec here. I wanted to tell you about agoristacres.com. They're a seed company, uh, friends of the show. Uh, this is where I get my seeds from uh, here at the homestead. Um, they've got a lot, a big, wide variety of seeds. Um, they got free shipping on orders over uh, 20 bucks. It's fast shipping. Um, if you place an order, it'll be shipped next business day. A lot of cool packaging. And you can pay with uh, crypto right on the site. Um, and they're, they're agorists. And uh, they also believe in the, the importance of producing your own food. Um, and, um, they have a wide variety of seeds that you won't necessarily find in a lot of other places, a lot of cool varieties, interesting, um, seeds, and they can, if there's something that you're looking for, they can probably get it for you too. So, um, check out agoristacres.com. And if you use promo code, uh, Agora 10, uh, you'll save yourself 10%. Thanks guys. That being said, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously here we're, we're anti-war in all cases, full stop. Um, just as much as I'm against, um, us intervention in Ukraine. Um, I'm also against you, obviously Russia rolling tanks into Ukraine because, um, you know, war is always a conflict between two nation states and I don't like violence and i don't like nation states so they can both fuck off as far as i can uh as far as i you know it's the people the poor folks on the ground who get sent to die in the meat grinder so um for me um i'm i'm mostly worried about world war three and it doesn't seem like 
any of these idiots. Okay, so Ukraine and Russia are in talks right now through um, an intermediary. Um, and I wish that Ukraine, you know, all things being equal, I wish that Ukraine, Russia, and the fucking United States would sit down and just kind of come to some di diplomatic agreement, ceasefires, um, you know, and back off uh, an aggressive posture you know, toward, uh, the U.S. to uh, to drop the aggressive po posture towards Russia, and Russia do the same. Um, I guess that's my that that is always my um, that was my initial thought on Ukraine, and and this is pretty much my position to any <laughs> conflict in the world at any time. You know, so what about you? Yeah, I mean that's that's it. Also, I'm. My uh, hearts and sympathies are really with people of Ukraine. Um, keep in mind that this was a huge controversy and issue building up at, or, you know, as this, like, this thing heated up. I don't know. We're kind of speaking about it in the past tense. So before the invasion actually occurred, we, the whole discussion was whether there would or would not be an invasion. But once it did occur, once we entered the phase where the war was actually happening, um, and it, that really was like a totally different stage in this but once the actual invasion occurred it's it's pretty plain i'm with the people of ukraine that are getting shelled and bombed and having to flee their homes um and the people that are causing that like the proximate cause of that so the russian state they're you know they're bad the russian military they're they're the bad guys they're shooting at people and shelling people um and then if you want to get into the everything that we were talking about up to that point um and it was a pretty big deal, but it wasn't worth having a podcast over. But once the war started, um, that's you know that's the, the world's undivided attention is basically on Ukraine, even though other things are happening in the world right now. And that's a that's a, always a great point to uh, get around to as well. But um, the world's attention is on Ukraine. It is notable. It is important. It is a big deal that all those people are being um, having to flee their homes in many cases, being injured or killed. Um, and all those cities are at risk of being uh, besieged or shelled. Um, large cities, large, um, big, built-up, very populous country. So, um, and then you mentioned the the Russian people. Yeah, that's that's a big deal too. So the, the response has been um, largely like economic sanctions of the sort, not even just government-based sanctions but just how russia has become international pariah overnight um has really affected the people of, of russia russia too and um just it's just not how our minds work to connect the people living in, in, in that place with the actions of the state and unfortunately those that are you know i mean the, the russian system of government is pretty I don't want to say it's like easy to understand compared to any others, but it's it's a pretty particular peculiar system. It's got the oligarchs basically that pull the strings on top, and they're actually called oligarchs for whatever reason. I mean, as people like to call them, and they are the people that will be, you know, no, they will be, they will lose, they stand to lose a lot of their billions of dollars of assets but as far as the people that will actually suffer actually will feel pain and really have to bear the brunt of this unfortunately it seems to be the people um living in russia that you know in this world it's this technological world this um you know global economy they've they've 
being increasingly shut out of it. And uh, it's had a lot of immediate effects now, it, whether it'll be like, I, I don't know, whether it'll be just an absolute crippling depression inside Russia is yet to be seen. I, I, I certainly hope not, because I don't think that will solve the problem in this case. I mean, it might, but at what cost? What, what human cost? And I mean, if you think if you think methodolo methodolo methodologically, excuse me, um, in a statist way, like that's totally fine because you ultimately that'll probably put an unbearable pressure on the Russian government, the regime there. Um, um, it's actually the opposite that happens. So that's the sta standard narrative um, is that if we put sanctions on a country, it'll the people will put pressure on the leadership. And in every case throughout history, the opposite effect happens. The rich are usually fine in that situation. It doesn't hurt them. It doesn't hurt the politicians. It hurts the average people, like you said. But they don't put pressure on their regime because they see themselves being attacked by an outside force. So they actually rally around the leader. And you're seeing that happen in you in. Um, um, Russia right now, but you saw this happen in Iran. You saw this happen in Iraq. You saw this happen. And the people are starving. They can't lead a successful revolution even if they want to under sanctions. Do you know what I mean? They're dying of dysentery because they can't get med proper medical supplies and weapons. And you, So the sanctions, even from a methodological or purely um, consequential standpoint, don't actually work. All you're doing is starving um the poorest of another country for their actions of their government and it's fucking disgusting so back to what you said about you know standing with the ukrainian um uh, the the bad side in the war there there are no good sides in war the you know you got two sides you have a sock puppet government riddled with nazis on one side and you've got fucking vladimir putin and his oligarchs on the other there's no good side on that the only good side is the people, like you said, who are getting shelled, who are getting fucking torn from their homes, or the people in Russia just trying to go about their fucking lives who now can't b pay for their bills for with MasterCard because fucking whatever reason, because of the actions of their government. There, there is no. That there, those are the good people, the good side, the, the actual victims of two bad nation states. Um. So in terms of sanctions and wars, for the longest time since I was fucking born, I have hated war of all kinds. I do not believe there is a just war. I don't believe there is of any kind. And my earliest memories and were going to protest Reagan funding rape gangs in fucking Nicaragua and El Salvador. And I was very young then, and I just I did, had no interest in going to fucking protest. But ever since then... All throughout my entire history, I've always hated war. And I went through an entire, like, teenage years of depression just knowing that there was little kids in other parts of the world that are getting bombs dropped on them and blown apart. And I've seen pictures of it even as, even as a young age. And just knowing there's very fucking little I could do about it. And that caused me a lot of grief as a young young man. And still to this day... There's not much we can do about it. Um, but I still, of all the things that states do, war, I have a just a visceral hatred of. I don't, taxation, it, it pisses me off and I don't like having my money stolen from me. 
but I also, I really, I fucking hate war. And I, you might say that, you know, um, well, there will be violence in an anarchist system. There might even be war, but war is literally defined as conflict between nation states. Like that's in the definition of what war is. And it's, it exists at a scale and a um, callousness that would not exist even if you're talking about violence in an anarchic uh, um, uh, situation. Now, I got a little off track there, but no, sanctions, even if you are okay with starving the children of a nation whose government you disagree with or don't like, even if you think that that's okay, it doesn't actually work the way people think it does. It never has. It never has. They always say it's going to work to put pressure on it, and it just ends up the poorest people in the country just suffer and can't get medical treatments and can't get fucking food. And even though like food is not technically part of sanctions, the, the problem is, is once you have sanctions on a country, no people just don't want to deal with you because they don't want to go through the hassle of inspections and whatever else. And you can't get certain equipment that you would use to like even grow food, you know? So um, the people will never be able to rise up against government when you're starving them and stripping away their weaponry. And most of the time when there's sanctions levied and um, economic devastation on a country, they blame the people putting the sanctions on them and they rally around their strongman leader. So what you're doing or what these people are doing is they're actually providing more support for Putin. Now Putin can now he can point to any problems that are going on in this country because he's fucking fighting an insurgent warfare, which fucks up your economy. Now he can just point to the U.S. instead of um, him. And so will the people will point to the U.S. instead of his policies for putting them in this situation. You see what I'm saying? It'd be like um, if, you know, we're our the U.S. government has been destroying its own economy, going to a fucking war for the past 25 years or so. Right. But um, they've got nobody to blame but themselves. But what if an outside force came in and put sanctions on them and then they could just be like, oh, well, the reason we're trillions of dollars in debt and we have inflation right now is because that country put sanctions on it. The same thing happened in Venezuela. People were rallied around Maduro because. Well, it's the West's fault because, or it's the U.S. fault because they've been crippling them with sanctions. It's not when, as much as you hate your own, you might hate your own government. Um, not even not speaking about us specifically, but people in our country. You say people hate Joe Biden, right? But if the China and I'm stealing from Scott Horton here, but if the yeah, Chinese came and Brandon. right. Right. So there's a lot of people that hate Joe Biden and rightfully so. I mean, I hope he dies in a fire, but there's a lot of people in this country that if the Chinese came and tried to cripple our economy, put sanctions on us and all this kind of stuff, they would rally around Joe Biden. Cause it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's a bastard, but he's our bastard kind of thing. That's how people think. That's how people in Russia are going to think. That's how people in Iran in Venezuela and all these countries that the U S has put sanctions on over the years. That's what fucking happens every single time. There's the, there's never an, an overthrow of the government. So sorry, rant over.
Yeah, and another thing the sanctions do in in, in the other direction. So yes, I think this to some extent some people are going to rally around and um, you know kind of oppose the people that place the sanctions. But also, if you look at what's going on here and in all of these cases, the goal is to like the goal is to isolate the country to cut the country off from trade from you know in many cases communications travel and everything especially when it comes to russia and like uh you know preventing russians from traveling to and from a lot of countries preventing planes from flying in certain uh, places you know cutting off flights cutting off communications and access to online services and stuff um really kind of uh just i, I it is not you know something mandated by government government there's there is kind of a hysteria about that but it, it, regardless of what who's implementing it and how what cutting off like an entire country full of people from the world does regardless of if sanctions are being placed put in place to ultimately put pressure on the state through a popular uprising or through just something else i guess similar to that I guess that's always somewhat the goal, but like another thing it does is you're actually working counter to actually how things work. Now, if, if, if you understood this, or if you believed that this is how things work, we're about to say, then you, you wouldn't be in this situation of like putting, obviously putting sanctions on in the first place. You, their, their minds don't work like this, but like the more countries are, are open and involved and people have contact and free flow of ideas and people, and of course, we don't have that. And there's, there's borders, there's checkpoints, there's a lot of stuff. But we have relatively freedom and liberal kind of relations between countries generally. And um, there's very few like hermit kingdoms or something like that. And um, that's what would actually like affect public opinion and affect you know the opinion of the state by the people who have to live under the state who. Are, Hopefully you get them to the point where they there isn't a level of outrage that does rise to a point that, that this is the state starts to feel some pressure. So I, I think, you know, the last thing you'd want to do in this situation, in my opinion, is to cut Russian people off and start demonizing them, insulting them and, you know, making it encouraging people to make threats against Russia and Russian people and banning them from your country and from participating in all sorts of things. I mean, they're, they're banning Russian musicians and athletes from participating in anything in the world. They're banning travel. They're banning them from they gaming. Banned they banned them from everything. I'm sorry. They, they banned Dostoevsky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they banned Tchaikovsky. They banned Tchaikovsky. Yeah. They're from being played. They won't play the Sugar Plum Fairy or whatever. I guess it's not Christmas time. Well, they won't play Tchaikovsky right now because um, the, the Russian hysteria. But, like, seriously. And then you expect that Russians won't feel like the, – hey, the, the effect where they might feel like the whole world's against them. But even if they – even if that's – even absent that, like, if they – could see freely like what is happening in Ukraine and all the outrage and all the people, the, the dead children in the children's hospital, whatever happened. Um, I, as far as I know, that did occur. Like the people are dying, and the outrage and the, the fact that civilians are being like really hit by this. And I mean, especially in Ukraine, where like this is basically like U.S. seeing Canadians, U.S. military going after Canada and shelling. You know Ottawa and and uh, uh, Toronto and Montreal and whatever other cities in Canada, like it's people 
just across the border, just like them speaking the same language and close to the same language and often cases the same language. And, you know, there's no like foreignist kind of dehumanization aspect. I don't, uh, Russians and Ukrainians definitely think of each other as being not only people, but like very close kindred people. And that's fine. But like, so you cut them off from, I don't know, participating in the global global discourse and communication. And, and that's seems like that will have the opposite effect. I don't know that maybe people love, love their love Vladimir Putin and the oligarchs so much over there. But, um, I don't know. I just think this whole thing is kind of backwards and counterproductive. No, you make a great point. What you want is <clears throat> people from the United States and, you know, kids. I'm talking regular people, young people from the United States and from Russia playing video games together and fucking, um, you know, buying and selling stuff and, you know, interacting with each other as opposed to isolating them and cutting them off from the world. Because the more we can interact with each other, you know, sort of the the more, um, the less othering the effect that has, you know, like we see people as like just regular human beings and they kind of, we, you know, can exchange ideas about uh, ways of doing things and war and foreign policy. And, and that would have more effect on changing the minds of the Russian people and putting pressure on their government more than than anything you know what i mean it's the same kind of thing like um you know there's an argument that like rock and roll actually brought down the soviet union because they were like bringing in records from the west and stuff and during like when rock and roll was huge and that was um you know um in the in the from the perspective of the um, soviet government that was corrupting the young people you know they were rebellious now and they were you know all these sorts of things and they just didn't buy into the project. They just wanted to listen to fucking rock and roll. And I, I think that there's something to that even now. Now, it's not the Soviet Union anymore, and it's not a communist government. But, um, you know, when Russian people and Ukrainian people and American people and Canadian people and whoever the kids, young people, you know, just regular people can interact with each other you know, you, you start to see that we're not too different. And, you know, the it's kind of our governments that have a problem with each other. So why are we killing each other over some problem that they have? You know what I mean? Like, so this kind of goes back to the Christmas truce of 1913 or 14? 15, 14. 15, 14, 15. One of those. During, yeah, so anybody that doesn't know this story. On Christmas Day, 19-whatever, during World War One, the soldiers on the field um, on Christmas Day walked out into what they called no man's land, which was the territory in the middle that no troop really held that they were basically fighting over. Then they stopped the shelling, and it started with they allow, um, I believe some of the German soldiers, soldiers allowed some English soldiers to get their injured off the field. So then a ceasefire stopped and they actually all eventually they all celebrated fucking Christmas together. And this happened all over the place and they exchanged gifts. They played soccer. They drank some brandy or whatever. They traded, you know, gave, you know, had smoked cigarettes together and stuff like that. Ate some food. 
and the fucking uh, military officials went nuts over this on both sides because you can't have that because if the soldiers that are actually fighting each other start to realize that especially they're mostly poor folks right they start to realize that they're more alike each other than they are either there's you know either of their governments or um you know the rich men that they're going to fight these wars for um that's a real problem um you can't have wars if that happens so you know i think what the point you made is right that uh i think the opposite of isolating them would be the ideal solution <laughs> you know when um all of these people are getting lo- along like <laughs> you know i was hearing jokes about you know ukrainian shoulder soldiers and russian shoulders soldiers <laughs> meeting up on tinder or whatever you know what i mean like okay let's have more of that let's have um you know fucking russians ukrainians and americans all playing call of duty or whatever the fuck it is and bullshit and have a good time because they're less likely to start shooting at each other for their governments if they do you know so no you you made it a really great point actually and that's you know that's bass that's boss yet when you know it's when goods and services don't cross borders armies will you know and uh, another another point just to add to your point is you know you're putting all these sanctions on russia but all that's doing is just making them closer to even from an american empire standpoint all that's doing is just pushing them closer to china and iran and venezuela um so now you're you're solidifying a block of you know the other the enemy that are um all on the outs with you with that with the u.s i mean and um that's not going to be good for international policy or you know geopolitics or anything like that um so i mean the move here is diplomacy that's the only route i see to avoiding uh um avoiding not only a thermonuclear war in world war three but just further conflicts with russia and um and also china and iran but um because i don't see this as the end like if this doesn't go to world war three and this you know things kind of settle down after this you know the u.s and and russia are still going to be engaged in proxy wars um in all of the all of eastern europe right along russia's border so i don't see that even if this sort of ends here it's not going to end here unless there's some sort of diplomacy and you know some treaties and agreements get hammered out and um otherwise we're just going to be talking about you know the same thing happening you know the u.s will do a coup in belarus like they tried to last year they'll actually succeed and now we'll be talking about belarus in fucking couple of years from now how the russians invaded belarus so um i i this i the only way out is diplomacy here and for the people of each country to come together and say fucking no to war you know yeah um and, and the one thing that you said that really struck me that really you know what my view of this really condenses down to is um and this is not surprising if you you know like follow me on twitter or listen to me maybe even on the podcast, the uh, class dynamic and the fact that like, uh, I don't, you know, uh, well, I don't identify with my state or any other state. 
So I, I know that I have much more in common with a Russian who does what I do for a living or lives like me or just the average everyday Russian in general. I have more in common with them than I do, you know, the, the, the ruling class or the political class in the United States or that of Russia or the oligarchs or any of the other, you know, government of hiring government officials in Russia um, or that they do with either of those either. Um, so you wonder that like in this day and age in 2022 in a relatively modern country like Russia in the Internet age where we're all just uber connected all the time and the Russians are just as connected as anyone else, um, including us, you, you, you wonder, um, and I mean, they have, they certainly have their like cultural nexus, like they are a separate cultural block from like, uh, you know, Europe and also in North America and everything. I mean, there, there's a Russian speaking world and a Russian speaking internet, but like it's, it's, it's the modern globally connected world. How do, I don't know, how do people even accept these kind of actions, especially in a country that's right next door with a, a similar level of development and similar, similar culture and the same or similar language, et cetera. How do people kind of accept that? How are people going along with that? How are people like, how are they getting conscripts to go over there and do what they're doing? And they, and they get, they'll get captured and say like, Oh, I thought that was a training exercise that we thought we were just going to go on a limited mission to do a, B and C or whatever. Um, and the Ukrainians likewise, like see, like are seeing these Russians coming over, and these Russians are just like you now basically people like them. I mean, there's certainly no aspect where they're they're seeing these people as like each of these sides are not reliably, you would assume, not see each other as subhuman. So how in this day and age can can this country? I can understand if 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 they're the ones coming over your border and shooting you and shelling your city, but how how are the, how are the Russians accepting this at all? How are these how is Russia able to prosecute this kind of war in this day and age? Um, and I think there is a lot of like, I think people do broadly understand the kind of political agendas and political machinations coming from like the Russian ruling class and the the situation with NATO, NATO expansion, and uh, NATO, you know, NATO and their missiles on on um, the Russia's border. And 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 I think that to some extent they do feel just like you and I might feel threatened by the idea of thermonuclear war, they might feel threatened by encroaching NATO and, and, and troops and, and missiles on their border, as well as some of the other machinations like the color revolutions and whatnot. So, so I still just find it hard. On one hand, I find it hard to see how you get a population of relatively educated, like, internet connected people to accept a full-scale invasion like this not only it just even comparing to other countries right across their own border to like the next most similar country that in belarus or like the next most similar countries culturally and just just geographically um but then again and in contrast to that and i know this wasn't you know that recently but like the war in iraq and i you could say oh the u.s is very culturally different than iraq and they they was it was like the the number one most demonized country in American culture, but you know, you would not have thought in 1999 that the U.S. Maybe you would have if you, but I was a kid. But maybe you would have if you're really in tune on things and really forward thinking. But I would think that you would not have thought like that the U.S. population in 1999 would have the appetite. I know 9/11, but would have the appetite for a full scale war and a full scale invasion. And of course, Iraq has nothing to do with. 9-11, but that's the magic of 9-11, I guess. But 
it happened. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed the frenzy and I've witnessed the, and the insane jingoism and the fren frenzy and where people just became, and this is my formative years. This is my high school years. I, but I remember people just became uh, just the kind of things that you would just hear in the media would, would come off as insane just like 15 years later, like the, to, to, to tell the people that are like adolescents now, just the, just the barbaric things people would say about uh, you know how to go about the war on terror, what should be done to other countries, you know. Well, yeah, turn the, their the sand to glass. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the, the things about torturing and people, and I just just like um. So I saw somebody on, I saw somebody on Twitter was with somebody some nutcase published some column somewhere i don't know exactly where where he said like we should uh take all the captured russian soldiers and like line the it was some ridiculous thing like line the roads with them and then cover them with debris and then have the russian tanks drive over them and squish them till they're a you know bloody soup and then when the russians will only realize it to us too late some of the most ridiculous unhinged things you hear and it's like that might be crazy but like that is the kind of things people said when I was in when I was like in high school age because of like the frenzy after 9-11 that I had to experience in that time. And it's really not like growing up Muslim because I, people would always say like I'm from like a mixed race background. But like I didn't experience that. Like that wasn't what it was. It was it was the scariness of a nation that was just. I don't know. It was it was not the country that I had grown. I thought I had grown up with at that time, and I've never been. I've never been able to like to see this country, and I think any any country really differently because things can happen that turn large groups of people into, and I think specifically large groups of people into what Monsters. they. I don't know. Thinking, thinking yes, they 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 could could quite be, and I think a lot of people actually work. A lot of people served in the military and did things. Yeah, very no, not even just that. People were beating up, yeah. uh, were beating up Muslims and Sikhs in the streets. You know what I mean? They're not a few, so, a few. It's what you'd expect that to happen. Happened that happens sometimes. Yeah, that happens sometimes initially, but like, eventually, the direct, most obvious stuff, like in most cases, that stuff died down. A lot more of it than people know about because a lot of it wasn't publicized. I but mean, like, the Muslim hate has gone for a long time. Still to this day, you'll hear it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Right I, now, I, I was speaking on Russia, you know, but I, the, even past few years, there's there's still Muslim hate over that. You know? Oh, and I mean, it, it pretty much died out with when Trump came into office. Then it was the right wingers, and before, and then on their side, it's the they 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 what they say about the China. what they think about people from no South Americans and no people from South Americans and Central Americans. I mean, they absolutely think those people are like insects. It's, it's disgusting. I mean, Oh yeah. 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 They really do. Even, even, even like whiter Hispanics. And <laughs> well, they really honestly think about people from those countries, like, like bugs. It's disgusting. But uh, yeah, I mean, and, and it's a shame because you would think like how, how in this internet age do people think that way? But apparently they're quite capable of it. In the right circumstances, or like dealing with that cognitive dissonance. Like there's a certain dissonance. Sorry, there's a certain way that people are able to, you know, make that happen and still like function in this modern world. So here's the thing: is like you're kind of answering your own question, right? So how could the American people 
support carpet bombing a country that didn't attack us on 9-11. And then seven countries after that. And even now, 20-something years later, most of the people are pretty anti-war. But for some reason, the wars just keep going on and on and on. And the oh, that's, that's, not, that's, of course not, that's it. That's it right there. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it starts with fear, but once you kind of get that thing started, it just keeps moving from its own inertia. So, so if you look at this from the perspective of the, from, from the perspective of the Russian people, if you have people, you know, overthrowing governments right on your border, you know, and you have them, they are in a, military alliance that is specifically against your country and they've got missiles pointed at your country from the um, neighboring countries right on your border and then they're arming actual nazis that are integrated into the military who actually think of russians as subhuman banned russian as a language and we're, you know, shooting Russians in the streets, you know, calling them subhuman. You might be possibly in 2014. You're talking uh, about Maidan. Well, I mean, my so Maidan, but also Belarus and um, uh, um, Jazikistan and a couple of there's a couple other, you know, uh, colored red. Yeah, revolution. yeah, yeah. No, these things, these the things happen. These things certainly happen. Right. So if you're a person in Russia, right? So let's say let's say I'm a Jew living in America, and all of a sudden they're in Canada. Uh, there's a um, uh, um, a fascist party, a strictly Nazi party, and then some other country is funding them and then pointing missiles at the U.S. I would start to get fucking nervous, right? Yeah, rightfully so. If you're, I mean, so if you're, if you're a person in, just like if you're a person in the Middle East and the U.S. is doing fuckery around in there and they know, you know how they feel about Muslims and is arming like people who want to put your sec, your, your religious sect to death, you're going to start getting fucking nervous as well. And fear does weird things to people. So I think that's why you can even uh, this thing sort of so the same reason the Americans got tricked into going into Iraq and then we've had like 20 years of war, even though everybody's over it again. It starts with fear, right? It starts with fear of being because we were the U.S. was attacked on 9-11. So I can't imagine how like also, Americans I would assume kind of feel attacked as well. Do you know what I mean? The Russian people, not even just not the, just the government. I don't even believe I don't even know if the government really believes it. Do you know what I mean? Like the governments would. Putin's a politician. Any excuse to like further expand their power, they're going to take it. But I would assume that look, look, look. some of the Russians feel yeah, if, threatened. If um, if if uh, if Trump can get elected because Americans are afraid of caravans of migrants coming up from Central America right. and, and and unaccompanied children and whatnot, then I think that Russians 
I'm sure feel some palpable feel of like medium range ballistic missiles that are in Poland that could be in um, Ukraine next. I think they can kind of see where, where that's going, where that could go and where that's likely to go. And they, they don't want to have it. And that's something they can fear about. Just like people don't want to get on a plane and have the plane blown up. I think that Russians don't want to have medium range ballistic missiles right over their border. I think that's like, like a kind of a big deal to them. So I can totally see that, like regardless of the, of, of the statecraft. Right, right. So it's it's just it's just fear. You know what I mean? But there wouldn't be this situation. Neither neither politician on any side would have the power. Well, you know, this is a self-licking ice cream cone, right? But they wouldn't have the power if you know, we were all getting along. Like like all the I mean, even the countries were the nation states were all getting along and had treaties and you know, agreements and um diplomacy and that, all that sort of thing. The fe- that fear wouldn't exist, but then that means the politicians wouldn't have any power. So what what good does that do any of them? You know what I mean? Like they'd rather we be afraid and clamoring for them to do do more, invade this country. You know, like that that is preferable to them. That's something they can take advantage of in any country, including Russia, including Ukraine, including the United States. We've seen it happen over yeah. and over again. So and let's be um, clear, like the the people. There, there were three battalions of Nazis that were, were actively operating in, in Ukraine, um, and, the, and these aren't not like prison gangs or anything. Or these aren't the Proud Boys, you know. These are um, like, like Scott Horton pointed out, and I had just looked this up because I was arguing with people in, in a group chat. These are literally the descendants, the ideological descendants of the, the 14th Waffen SS, Galicia. The, gla- the, the Galician SS. Ukrainian, the Ukrainian, yeah, the Ukrainian Waffen SS uh, regiment that they raised out in Ukraine, out of with out of Ukrainians in World War II. Not to say, now look, at the same time, a lot of this stuff about you know Russian speakers being shot and all this stuff, that is the standard Russian propaganda line. Uh, let's, but you got to understand how propaganda works. But that is the standard Russian propaganda line. So you know you don't want to you don't want to repeat Russian propaganda. But how how much of that? Pro- I'll give you a hint. Some per, some percentage of, of of a propaganda, even especially at a country that's very skilled at propaganda, <laughs> a percentage oh, sure. of it has to be true to be effective i don't want to repeat like russian propaganda but well, let me, let me time, say this like, about that a portion of every single piece of propaganda there is some truth to or it wouldn't function as propaganda right the best pop- propaganda is usually true but what, usually what they do is and there was absolutely it was a, a small like a soft civil war so there was absolutely shooting on both sides between the russian-speaking east and the uh, and the the Nazis and their uh, allies. However, it was the Nazis and the, their allies in the West that banned Russia, that called them uh, banned Russian the Russian language. You were not allowed to speak Russian any longer in Ukraine, and they invaded the east of the country. And yes, there were shooting back and forth, but man there was that that visceral hatred on the part of the nazis and when you say the ideological descendants some of them were like actual blood descendants of the former ss officers in ukraine like some of them scott says they're the proud grandsons and sons 
of the Glacian SS, like not just like they believe the same thing, like their granddad was the one that perpetrated the Holocaust there. And they are still they're pretty fond of their granddad. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. um, I, I, yes. OK, it, it is in Russia's interest to play down the violence committed by the Russian side or the Russian friendly side of the people in Ukraine and to up to, to point out, what do you call it? Um, to play up the um, violence committed by the Western Ukrainian side. Like, of course that there, there is um, that is in the Russian interests to do, to, to do that. And of course there's two sides to every story, right? But, um, you know, it doesn't mean that they, they, there's certainly facts on the ground there that they were banned. They did ban Russian as a language. So, I mean, you already have this like sort of ethnic, ethnic law now. It'd be like us banning Yiddish or Arabic in the u.s do you know what i mean and then going well, around i mean it'd be there's no comparison actually because it'd be like it'd be the closest thing would be banning spanish and yeah, that actually and be going around close, and beating up beating yeah. up mexican people you know what i mean uh, yeah be, i mean yeah so this is my understanding from like listening and i that kind of from listening to scott i don't know how bad it, it has been recently or how bad it's been in it general okay over the past for a, years. a number of years it was actually okay yeah but in 2014, they had the revolution. The government was toppled. There was, there was a power vacuum, and a bunch of Nazi re regiments popped up, and then eventually became integrated into the National Guard and everything. But there was a revolution. The government fell. So this is when all that stuff popped off, and and the the certain faction of like Ukrainian nationalists and various. I mean, I think it's I think it's various factions, but a certain side of that took power in Kiev and a bunch of people saw what was coming, including, including not exclusively, but including Nazi battalions, including, um, you know, just the EU aligned, U S aligned. And I'm sure they were not the only faction, CIA, but they were the CIA back revolution. Well, they were not the only, they were the most violent. They were, yes. They're the most violent and brutal. And they were sort of the backbone, like in terms of like the ones that committed, that, that made it successful and committed the most force was like the ace off. And now I understand what happened. Huh? 2014, 2014 happens. And, yep. and these people, and there is a lack of, there is um, not quite an anarchy, but in the, in the, in the original old sense of, of um, there is a, is a new government and there's a lack of, you know, control. And so there is, um, there are, there are armed Nazi battalions and different things, and and and, and the government seems to apparently be friendly enough with them, um, and pro-Western and anti-Russian, and then the, those those sides clearly, Russian wanted Sevastopol and Crimea, and Crimea in general for their base, but the other side saw what was coming, and I totally understand they wanted to secede and get out of that situation. That I can totally understand, uh, and like I said, I don't think there's an ongoing. There was ongoing like. Back and forth, about, I think a lot of them saying recently that Russia, that the Ukrainians committed genocide against the, because uh, they had, I know specifically, they had like the battle lines were drawn. There was like line of control of, you know, basically a demilitarized zone there. There wasn't a, a Ukrainian genocide against Russian speakers going on as of now. 
than I would, any, not, have, any I would not call it a genocide. No, but there was not recently. There, uh, there was originally ethnic violence for sure, but then I'm you sure had, it happened in 2014. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you had you had relative peace. I mean, there's still some low level violence, right? But you had relative peace for a number of years, um, and you had some aut autonomy of the two of the Donbass region. And because they basically successfully repelled um, the Ukrainian forces from there. Yeah, my understanding. So it, my it, understanding is they were separate. It was they were basically apart. Like they were. There was a bunch though. of. There was basically a. There was basically a DMZ in between them, and they were not. Yeah. You know, taking order from Kiev. Because um, I had I listened to a, an NPR th whole story where she went over there and she had passed like through ten checkpoints and eventually there and she's in a whole other world. In, yes. And near Lugansk, earlier in Donetsk. And there was there was hardly any fighting, and you had the well. You also had, I believe, the French and the Germans went in and they brokered a peace that was called the Minsk One and Minsk Two agreements. Um, so this happened like a couple of years, a year or so after the coup, um, in 2014. So then you had relative like peace, I guess, but, um, within the, the last year, um, the, the, the peace sort of the broke down again and there was, there was violence again. And that's when the, the two, um, the Donbass, the two, the two, what they called republics in the Donbass, the two, uh, Donetsk and Luhansk is what it is. They went to Putin and said, we need you to recognize us as sovereign republics. And he did. Um, so he rolled into there first. So there was pretty much like after the first couple of years of fighting, there was uh, like sort of a bro brokered peace and autonomy granted because the the Kiev government had like no control over that that region so they're pretty much considered autonomous similar to like Kurdistan you know in, in Syria where it's it's still technically part of Syria but they the Syrian government has little to do with what Kurdistan does so it's a very similar thing there there wasn't like a no I would not call it a genocide I would just call it uh, ethnic violence early on and there really hasn't been much violence since like 2015 or 16 or so but I mean, Trump was still arming Nazi battalions that whole time, and so was Biden. So I don't know if they were just ramping all that up. But then they um, eventually that that peace sort of broke down, and there was fighting again. And then now here we are. That's that's really well, what kicked this off. Like I said, I'm always I'm always looking to like be very sensitive to like not not. Um, repeat the Russian propaganda, which always, like by definition, in my opinion, I mean, not my opinion, but like I totally, I'm, I totally get that propaganda is 100% always partially, it does make sense, always partially true. But like at the same time, like we have to recognize the legitimacy of like people to, of secession. Like, yeah, I totally get when Scott explained in 2014 why those totally Russian speaking, totally. Russian sympathetic regions wanted to um, secede in the wake of the Euromaidan revolution, um, regardless of what you think about the Euromaidan revolution. Like you, it was a coup. If, if they and it, it wasn't yeah, a yeah, it, well, yeah. Well, well, I don't know, man. I don't know. That, look, I, every uh, man, it gets so cynical when it comes to like people doing anything. Like there is no this. This this goes back to like basically, I think what. Uh, we were talking about uh, uh, Vladimir Putin saying, and this is the most correct thing that he said. He's like, look, Ukraine will exist 
as basically a, a EU and US backed and controlled country or it'll be exist as a Russian backed and controlled country. Those are the two options. It's, it's going to be one or the other. And if you have, you know, basically if you have a revolution somewhere, you're going to either have the uh, Russian Foreign Service or the CIA or the Chinese Foreign Service. Somebody's going, and that's the way it was in the Cold War, and that's the way it was in, in, in general. And unfortunately, man, that's, you know, I, I think there was always going to be some legitimate, like, I'm sure there was a legitimate beast with the government. I'm sure there was legitimately people that wanted, um, I mean, they were going back and forth between pro-Russian and pro-Western um, presidents or prime ministers or whatever they have um, in, in succession. And, you know, I don't see Ukraine being anything but basically like a pawn of either the I know the and that's US, what sucks Iraq or, the, or Russia. Yes, yeah. it's so bad when you come to that realization. I see. I don't think it's you know I don't think it's Russian propaganda to explain facts that have happened over a period of years. So Putin might use some of the same talking points, but that doesn't mean they're not correct. So if I'm like, so if I am stating the reasons I'll use bin Laden again, or I'll use the Iranian revolution instead of using bin Laden again. So if I am criticizing the actions that happened in um, the Iranian, uh, the U S backed Iranian coup, the Ayatollah used those same talking points. Does that mean I am spouting? If I, to explain to you the history of what the fuck the U.S. did to I to Iran at, through 50, from fifty three to seventy nine, am I spouting Ayatollah talking points? Like if I'm telling you that the U.S. starved three hundred something thousand Iraqi babies, and Iraq had nothing to do with nine eleven, and Saddam Hussein, he was, yeah, he was a bastard, but he wasn't like friends with Osama and. He didn't have nuclear, you know, chemical weapons or whatever. Am I do I am I saying Baathist talking points? So, like, either like there's there's facts that we can talk about, or there's basically you. It's either there's facts we can talk about and fuck Putin and the U.S. Or it's we're either spouting U.S. propaganda or we're spouting Russian propaganda. Like you just have to pick your propaganda, I guess. But, you know, I you guess know, when you say propaganda. I, I, I would view I'd view that so cynically and and I would say oh man this is all this is either side come up people coming about uh, Russian propaganda and the people you know I, was, I I I totally would agree with you or I totally maybe like say look there's we got to be careful about Russian propaganda but when this thing has started ever since this thing has started just the I don't know man the 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 whole idea that that especially the 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 so-called liberals in the U.S. have been pushing this. We are on a war footing. Our Russia's our enemy. We need to have, yeah. you know, you, you you can't question the president. Where this is like, it's like it's their nine eleven and 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 yeah, they're, push they're, all over again. Yeah. It, it it is. They want to manufacture that out of something that nobody even cared about uh, several, several months ago. I mean, no, there was just no public 
opinion one way or another on that. And um, the amount of like, oh, you can't question this obvious fake, you know, story, this obvious fake story. Oh, you can't question these figures. All these, they're killing so many more Russians and Ukrainians aren't taking losses. They're, they're, they're doing so well and everything. There should, they shot down half of the Russian air force and, and they have, you know, it, it's just the ghost of Kiev is, 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 is ruling the skies over Ukraine. You don't question it. We need this propaganda. Like, from that to the to the so, yeah, you, so, to the, so that's the funny report, part, right? It's a civilized country. It's so different that it's because a civilized country is being bombed. Like I, I've just lost my patience. I've lost my patience with the the Western media and and, and just the Western politicians, which I already lost my patience with. It's it's insane, man. Yeah. So the funny part about what you were just saying is like, oh, you can't question the ghost of Kiev and all this, like literal obvious propaganda right on the part of the west the u.s i should say and um ukraine like obvious war propaganda right you can't you can't question any of that because that's you know um that'll decrease morale for the ukrainian people right but if you even like start to like mention like hey maybe the past 10 years of geopolitics might've led to this situation where Ukraine, it, it finds itself in where it shouldn't be that now you're, you're spouting Russian pop. If you, if you question their propaganda, you're just spouting Russian propaganda. Like it's, yeah, with them, the, with it's, the pro, it's, it's either one or the, the other. You're either with us or against us kind of thing. You know what I mean? When you're, you're something pro Putin, far right, you know, right. extremist. Right. Which, or your, another or thing, you like, why, 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 so why are the only people that are speaking, that are being reasonable about a lot of this people that, well, I don't know, legitimately are on, I don't mean, I don't, I never use this term by the way, as, as like some kind of slur, but why are the only people being reasonable when bringing up these things are on the far right? I mean, objectively just they're far to the whatever. Right. Right. I'm not. And why it, you know, it, I would assume it's because, you know, a, a predisposition to defending Putin and, 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 and Russia and everything, but they're right. They're right. I can't, I can't, I can't change that, you know, and I can't change that all the good people, the liberals that think of themselves as the good people are wrong. I can't change, change that fact. No, you know, you know what some of it is like, so, okay. So there is, there is definitely people who have some sympathy to Putin. But there's also some of them that just hated Obama. And a lot of this now. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, so a lot of this, they're stupid, right? Because it didn't start with Obama. I mean, Bush was doing coups in Ukraine in 2004. Okay. Um, and, you know, if you want to go back and listen to all the history, go listen to Scott Horton. Clinton and uh, Clinton and George Bush, this is basically their fault, really, if you want to go back far enough. But really, what I it is? Assume every, every president passed. Every president passed the ninety-one. Every, every president, so Clinton on to pass the uh, dissolution of the. Yes, Soviet and despite Union. what you hear, Trump was fucking horrible on Russia. Horrible on Russia. Like he was super aggressive towards Russia. Like bringing a bunch of yeah, other um, into NATO and arming and literally arming Nazis instead of just giving them money. So yeah, yeah, he was probably one of the worst besides maybe Clinton, but. 
I, way, I don't like, know. I think it's a continuous. Thing. Well, I, I think that I think at some point you gotta say it's a continuous thing. Like it does. I don't think sure. there's a president that's going to drastically change the trajectory of like what the U.S. is doing. No, you're right, and yeah, they, they're all they're all bastards. I agree for absolutely. But however, I think what the reason you're seeing some people on the far right not buying into this is one of is for two reasons that that sort of are related to each other. One. So a lot of the sort of, I don't, I guess to call them far right, became very skeptical of war after 20 years of it, watching their families who were probably military, get um, military families getting blown up in wars that they shouldn't have been in. So they became a little skeptical of war. Number two, it was Obama that did the coup and, and funded the Nazis in Ukraine in 2014. Him, Victoria, Victoria Newland, and the Kagans. So, and Clinton, and Clinton, had, Clinton had her her hand in that as well. So he's the one that did the coup, and and did this, and got and got this most recent series of events started. So they don't see that as um as like legitimate because they don't, they're not fans of Barack Obama for, I mean, neither am I, but probably for different reasons. And I think that, and that's the same reason you saw like the far right against going into war in Syria, which is weird. Right. But, um, they didn't, they didn't want, they've did 20 years of war. Most of them probably had their brothers blown up and getting deployed over there. And for what, for nothing. So, hey, Sek here. I wanted to tell you guys about Agora Print. Uh, this guy's a friend of my, ours, um, friend of my ladies as well. Uh, known him for a while. Very like-minded individual, um, hardcore agorist. Uh, he owns a uh, t-shirt company, printing shop. Um, that's at agoristprint.org. And uh, he's printing some shirts for us for the podcast. He's printing some shirts for, uh, he will be printing some shirts for my business. Uh, he takes, uh, you know, fiat, Bitcoin, gold, silver, barter. He's he, he's up for all of that. Um, so go check him out at uh, agoristprint.org. Thanks. Bye. You couple that with they don't like Barack Obama in terms of his domestic policies and they don't like him for his foreign policies. And they're generally skeptical of the wars continuous continuing on forever with no clear objective. Same thing with um, I, th I think that tra that same feeling about Syria translate to the same feeling about Ukraine. They're like, what, the, what are you fucking doing in Ukraine? Like the what? You know what I mean? Like they're just that knee jerk. Yeah. Like, why? Why is Obama doing? You know, Nazi coups in Ukraine. What does that have to do with fucking? You know, fu you know, uh, fucking, you know, terrorist Muslims in the Middle East. Like, they, it doesn't compute for them. For the people, those people. Yeah, and, right. and thank God, thank God, thank God for this shift, and, and with this, yes. with this, you know, pretty large swell of anti-war, and, and totally understandable in the way you explain it. But large shift, like shift in anti-war, or like. 
ostensibly anti-war opinion among like the far right and the Trump and the pop the populist right, the Trump movement. I'm not trying to equate all those things as exactly being the at same least thing, skeptical like, of war. I wouldn't even very say anti-war. War. Right? They're just like no, very. Yeah, and totally understandable. Like for, for the reasons that you you mentioned, um, and I think that that is a huge thing because I think that's not necessarily. It sadly is kind of contained to the right of center or the right of the standard American center, but I think it's very broad and very populist. And I think, um, and I, somebody just I saw this on social media, like, and, I, and it just led me to think this might be the thing. Like, so what is the thorn on of in the side of the true? globalist imperialists um and i don't use the word globalist lightly like i'm not just going around the globalists are coming to you know take the, the sacrifice your children or whatever like i'm talking about the real globalist neocon we're really going to sacrifice your children imperialists. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and i think it is the fact that the right of center it doesn't have an appetite for for any war adventurism or all this 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 stuff Yep, That's and some of it might be that, like, um, you know, they're 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 also China hawks. They might be sort of like Hen Henry Kissinger reborn, okay. you know, where like they don't want all of these like, you know, fucking regime change wars and all this stuff and occupying all these countries. They're not really bought into that. They don't want another fight with fucking Russia um, because you know it's Henry Kissinger's position. Basically, what we've been doing for the past like 30 years is switching back between big new Brzezinski and Henry Kissinger. So Henry Kissinger said the only reason we need to be in the Middle East is to worry about China and we should be friends with Russia to counteract um, China. That's that's um, so big new Brzezinski or that's Henry Kissinger. Sorry. Um, uh, Brzezinski was basically um, the opposite. He he wanted to focus on attacking, uh, be, keeping Russia down. Uh, as big new Brzezinski said, um, if we can break off Ukraine from Russia, um, they will cease to be a an even a regional power because they don't have a warm water all year round port in Sevastopol. So basically, what we've been going doing is is going back and forth between Kissinger and Brzezinski. Now. I think a lot of the people on the sort of the right wing that we're talking about here, not, not your, you know, average Republican and not your like white supremacist edgelord. I mean, just that vague sort of a click to the right of the Republicans, you know, um, I think the skepticism of that is they don't buy into like rebuilding nations and occupying and overthrowing and playing, playing fucking games. You know what I mean? They would rather like what they call the great game and sort of uh, they don't they've probably never read a paper or K Kissinger, but they just have this like basic understanding of like, no, we're not going to go fucking make liberal democracies in the Middle East. Let's, you know, pay off who we need to pay off. Let's deal with make deals with who we need to make deals with. Let's be friendly to Russia to offset the power of China. To break them away. And that's kind of kissinger's deal right that was his brain he he writes it like an intellectual the average right winger probably doesn't really understand all this in like um you know very complex or sophisticated terms but just sort of a knee-jerk reaction of like okay 
all this fucking around in the Middle East has gotten us nowhere. My brother's dead from from being over there, and it's it's only made it worse. There's no sense in building liberal democracies in the middle of the Middle East. Let's just pay off fucking who, you know what I mean? Like, why are we even doing this? Let's just make a deal over here. We'll fucking put some weapons here. We'll make some deals over there kind of deal. Like, real, like, um, basic understanding. I think that's where the yeah. sort of the right has moved. Yeah, so I think that's, yes, I, that's true. But I think that could be, that's like the conspiracy. It's like, uh, I don't know. One conspiracy was that basically why the Democrats just handling everything so freaking poorly because you know that it's going to be a Republican sweep for a few elections. I, I, I pretty much see that. I pretty much see that red that red tide coming in. So I think the that whole might idea. Worse. No, I know because I think the whole idea is trying to finagle away to get a war hawk george w bush style republican in even though those neoconservative politics are like drastically and broadly unpopular you know, especially on the right um especially on the right it's just funny to say especially on the right but having grown up into that but like especially on the right nowadays the modern right or the current <clears throat> it's current right but like i think that's the conspiracy theory is how do you get a real war hawk to really go and smash some countries like iraq and uh, it'll be it's very hard. Be but I, it's got to be Democrat. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's got to be. Maybe it's got to be Republican. It's got to be yeah, like no, somehow listen. you have to convince people to put another a Bush bin because I don't think a Democrat can do it. I don't think Obama can get up there and invade Iraq. He did. He exp he expanded two wars into seven. Let me. I don't let me, think he could have invaded Iraq though. In two thousand three, shock and all. Here, so listen. What's that? So. The reason George Bush was really able to get that done is because of 9-11. Yeah. So what's more? So people think I'm going to give you two examples, gu guns and war. It's far more dangerous to have a Republican that is a gun grabber than a Democrat that's a gun grabber. And let me explain why. Okay, when, no, I, I get I get it. Yeah, but go, go ahead. Yeah. When Trump went after went for gun control, his base supported him and clapped and made excuses for him. If it was a Democrat that was doing it, they would have met all kinds of resistance from from you know what I mean from all of the the gun toting right they're in the Republicans. They would have met a lot of different, and they wouldn't have been able to get it done. Most gun control actually happens under Republicans, so flip the other side of that after the george bush war when i had all my lefty friends protesting george bush as soon as barack obama got in there and did the same thing dialed up to 11 they apologized for him for eight years because he had a d in front of his name and the republicans weren't going to say much about it generally speaking um because they like, you know, like at least the politicians, they like war. You know, a lot of them would criticize that Obama, oh, Obama's not doing enough, right? But the, in terms of like anti-war protests, there is fucking nothing, right? Until you got to Syria and then you had some real outspoken like sort of right-wingers and, and left-wingers who were like, no, we're not putting fucking boots on the ground in Syria. You know what I mean? We don't, 
you're you're arming you know al Nusra front for the past fucking few years and we didn't care about that but we're not putting fucking boots there okay so my point being is <clears throat> a democrat can go to war all they want they won't meet resistance because the people that would resist them are mostly made up of democrats or sort of democrat adjacent apologists yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think I think I would say Republican that like that's, will meet resistance is what I'm saying. That's that's true. That that would that held true up until whatever inflection point turned it into what I was describing. Now I think it's different. I think that you're you're not gonna get you need the republic. I think that's totally true for like most of our all of our lives up until a certain point. And with with that inflection point where the right is more skeptical or somehow just everyone on left of so-called left of center and in the center especially the center obviously is like totally gung-ho about this stuff um because the neoconservatives gone to the the democrats and this this the center the center blob i guess and right. with the right being so skeptical of, of, of this broadly skeptical of, of this like you know international adventurism and everything like you're not going to be able to get the people that actually fight these wars and support these wars and support these war industries on board, unless you have one of them in the office, but like, it's going to be hard for them to make that happen. But the Democrats seem to be, seem to be, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, I used to not follow electoral politics. Now I just, I guess I hear about it so much. I, I still like, it's relevant to look at the trends and like the Democrats seem to be tanking hard. And, I, and I, the conspiracy theory in my mind is they want a war hawk. They want to somehow get a reward, force a war hawk Republican in to um, really screw. And I think, I think it would take, because I think, I think what you say is right, but there's an inflection there that happened. And I think you need the Republicans of war to actually fight, fight the war at this point. For some reason, the Democrats are all on board with the neocon agenda. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what that is. Um, I mean, Kagan and all those guys are, are, are aren't they? Are Democrats, Democrats now? now? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they all moved over there. I don't know. You might, you might be right, and that could be, that could be real bad if we have like a, especially if we get attacked and we have another like Republican war hawk sort of george bush style guy or a dick cheney in there and there's like any any kind of like attack on one of our something or other you might be right about that um but i don't know like there it's that partisan politics though still i can't see the d's supporting a you know a republican president going to war again i don't know hey, Although, hey, hey, you know what's page. funny go ahead is they attack Trump? They attack Trump for not going to war. Is what they mostly attacked him for, which is hilarious. Yeah. They they applauded him. The Democrats, I mean, they applauded him when he was bombing shit. So that's fucking super weird, right? Like that's what I'm saying. That's what, you, that's what we've been experiencing. So I, I, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. You might be right. <laughs> no, that's the world we lived in up until a certain point, and then that 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 should just completely switched on us but here front page of cnn did marjorie taylor green refuse to clap for president Zelensky? that's a that's on the front page of cnn yeah you can't i mean pretty soon you'll be a social outcast for not flying the uh not the american flag the the ukraine flag it's it's like 
the bizarro version of uh, post 9-11 America that I had to grow up with in high school. Yep. It reminds me a lot of that. The only difference, and I said this to Scott Horton on Twitter, he says, what do you think? First of all, the only difference is, I'm not going to be 100% serious here. The only difference is it's not real. Like the U.S. is not actually a war. Right. You can't actually be this way. It's fake. It's just not real. Go go ahead. Sorry. It's it's like... uh, it's like um, panic and attack by like proxy, which is fucking super weird, you know. Like that's the other thing is like war and uh, attacks happen are happening all over the world all the time. Like why do we now do we suddenly feel like it's nine eleven all over again? Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't make sense. Well, apparently liberals are incredibly freaking racist and are really upset that a civilized country is being bombed with thermobaric weapons oh yeah that's um, what it is they're not they're not brown oh, people. God. The, first oh, yeah, week, yeah, yeah. the first week of this war the first look i'm not the one that i don't play that card like the first week of this war i mean they had they had reporters from every you know every um news service coming and saying like things that uh that you never like apparently liberals are super racist about this and it's it's they they didn't even think it was uh worth Oh, you muted yourself. Oh, I, I said, no, I just said they didn't even think it was worth hiding. They were saying it live on air. It was bizarre. Oh, no, they are. I mean, they're, you know, like there's not to what about ism, but there's like kids dying and starving to death because in Yemen, because of the U.S. and the Saudis. And you want to talk about Putin's like whatever anti-lgbt laws but they'll fucking kill you in saudi arabia for that so yeah I, yeah but listen listen i'm i lean towards i don't usually lean towards the racist card i usually lean towards the i'm a more of a materialist when it comes to looking at motivations but um, when i when i saw the reaction that people that i'm sure view themselves as very good and tolerant people to to this i was just like damn that's yeah, the racism right. and the and the classism comes out quite a bit from those people, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't like it, you know? Oh, I've been loving it too. Oh, you don't like six dollar fucking a gallon gas? You should buy a hybrid. Oh, you oh you pours you can't afford. Yeah, you pours you can't afford you know to pay another couple hundred dollars a week in gas. Well, why don't you spend fucking fifty to a hundred on a new car? You just completely fucking elitist and out of touch i i hate that shit dude yeah but so here's what we don't have okay. going for let's, us let's not, let's not let's not detour yes okay go ahead go ahead i forgot so scott horton put up some kind of like poll or whatever on twitter and it was like do you think the jingle you know the the war propaganda and the it whatever else is worse now or, or worse under a worse after 9-11 into the build-up to Iraq. And I said the jingoism and the propaganda was worse then. But you had more of an outspoken anti-war movement then than you do now. Yes. There's nothing now to counteract it except for... I mean, it's all it's now. all concentrated... Yeah, it's all concentrated. I mean, and, and where it is, it's all con- cause look. I, I listen to some some of this some of these radio hosts because my brother my brother likes to listen to a bunch of that around him. You know, blah blah blah. And um, 
I used to listen to the, the AM radio. Like, I'm not totally far into it. Like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, and I got to say, also, the questioning of this whole, of these narratives, I think it's happening all over the place, but it's happening on, like, the populist right. And I just, I don't, I don't mean to say MAGA. I mean, the populist right, like, right-wing populists that, that are ultimately very, um, so back to the classism and everything, very, um, uh, dismissible from the uh, ideological, the establishment ideological center, you know, and yeah, especially and when it, it comes from, from one place and one direction and not from every direction. You know what I mean? That's another thing. When it comes from one direction and not every direction, it's easy to dis dismiss that Un until, until you lose an election, you, that's it. You know, just, see, just I don't, I don't think that. it's, are you saying that the the criticism is only coming from the populist right? Is that what you're saying? Right now, right now, yeah. No, I think it's being painted as that, and I think that's like a large plurality of people. I don't know, man. I just it's, it's there's so a lot it's of people so who are not buying in the into this from the left, the right, anarchists. You know what I mean? Like all over the place who are not fucking sold on this. You know what I mean? Like. You do, um, I, but I'm. It's sad seeing how many people are have oh, it's sad yeah, to go on. Twitter, those, have, it's sad to go on Twitter and see how many people have Ukraine flags in their in, in their bios. It's sad to see people that, that has anarchist in their name that has a Ukrainian flag. Oh yeah, in the bio. Yep, yep, yep. Or in, in the Twitter name, you know, it's uh, it's. I wish I mean, it was. I more, have to and you are right to com compare this to to Iraq. It is. It is. It is a worse situation in opposing this than Iraq. You, this is your original point, and that's totally correct. Yeah. I mean, I have to believe that, like, okay, f first of all, the people with the, the anarchist with it in their flag. Okay, so part of me understands that on a very basic level and in a vacuum, you can look at this situation and you can say, my sympathy is with the Ukrainian people who are getting invaded by the Putin, by the Russian government. Yeah. And yes, I of course, I, of course, I absolutely understand that. Right. But this, these things don't necessarily happen in a vacuum. And I have to like, part of that comes from that sympathy and I understand, and I can relate to that sympathy. I feel bad for the Ukrainian people too. In my opinion, they're caught between, two fucking asshole bullies and that you're right. There is no hope for them. I wish they were, could just be independent and left the fuck alone by both sides. Right. So there, there is that aspect of it, but then I think another part of it is, well, it's two other things. I think they don't understand the history here of what led to this moment. Right. And you can say, well, it doesn't matter. Like all the all of those other, um, you know, things they they don't matter. Um, the fact still remains that Putin did X thing. Yes, Putin still did X thing, but it's been like a back and forth between these two powers for a long time. Okay, it's like nobody's sides are clean, and Ukraine is fucking caught in the middle here, right? The, the Ukrainian people, the current government, is complicit in this of Ukraine. So, and then there's another thing that they associate any criticism of support for Ukraine or maybe the, or, or any 
statements that there may be uh, this may be more complex or there may be more to this issue in terms of context than they thought. They associate that with either pooping, pooping, haha, Putin propaganda or just fucking, you know, right wing MAGA propaganda or whatever the fuck, because who, anybody who has any criticisms of U.S. foreign policy in Ukraine that led to the situation, well, you must be just some MAGA person who jerks off to pictures of Vladimir Putin or something, right? So yeah, I heard that. it's associated with that sort of populist yeah. right that is not popular amongst look, many people. Look, that's it's a real thing, and I don't like... Back to the point, every propaganda is a, probably a... a Decent portion to a very large portion, true. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that side certainly exists. I think we've all interacted with those people and know those people exist. But uh, that being said, that doesn't excuse this. That doesn't excuse this kind of, you know, you know, obtuse kind of dismissal and putting putting people down for questioning our wartime president by the liberals. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, and I, he I, is. I like he's, to bring he's got up, a wartime popularity boost in the polls. It's insane. It's his insanity. Right. Of course, and every president wants to be in war because they know they'll get reelected. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's why the war never ends because um, every president, it's the it's the rule that you, if you're in a, you know in the middle of a crisis or during a war or whatever the thing, you're gonna get reelected no matter what. So. Um, Here's the thing. Like I always bring up Osama bin Laden or like the um the Iranian Revolution because it's outside of the current thing. It's history now, right? So you can talk about it. And I think the comparison, and I brought this up in our episode with Scott, and everybody listening to this, you should go listen to our episode with Scott and our episode with Magnus. Magnus was making fun because like people were putting up Call of Duty or was it uh Metal Gear videos and calling it that like it was battles in Kiev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, like, and you're not I'm allowed to question that, though, because if you question that, then you're just a Putin propagandist or something, you know? So where was I going with this? Oh, Osama bin Laden. So after fucking, like, a hundred years of fucking around in the Middle East and killing babies and starving them to death and occupying and overthrowing governments in the Middle East and... um just general oppression of Muslims in, in the Middle East and also support for brutal authoritarian. Oh, I, want to, I want to correct you for that because I think I think this actually bolsters the case here. Uh, just like you could trace all this back to World War so like they, they argue, you'll, you'll first all, Yeah, you, you can trace the history back to World War One, sure, yeah. especially in the Gulf. That's really important as people want to trace back the Gulf and the oil and all that stuff. But as far as the violence and the overthrowing and the, the colonization and all that stuff, you can trace that back to – so you'll say – they'll say, though, the uh, Jews and the Palestinians, which is just ridiculous historically, but have been – at war, the Jews and the Muslims have been at war over this place for thousands of years. No, they've been at war over it since basically 1940, was it eight? 48 and then 53 and then 67. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, then the, 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 the autocratic leaders and the coups and the Cold War back and forth and different, the different, them going back and forth between different sides of the Cold War and everything. That's in the past, what, uh, 80, years 80 we're going on to the into the the ninth decade of the uh, since the cold war and the new 
it wasn't the, the new world order was after the but you know basically the new world order that existed after the cold war um it hasn't been that long it hasn't been a hundred years it's been ever since they've been trying to like you were saying they had these doctrines of oh let's fight over the um and, th and this was in 1984 so they already knew this was going to be the doctrine fight let's, let's fight over the middle east and then uh, other liminal places regions and uh to uh compete with the soviets and or the russians right and so if uh, you want to start it with the if you want to start it with even if you want to start with in 1979 with funding the mujahideen to fight the uh soviets that's a grand starting place uh, osama bin laden's um declaration of war on the united states specifically cited mostly stuff that happened in the 90s so support for israel um starving of the um starving of the iraqi children in uh during the sanctions and bombing campaign of uh, bill clinton um and also uh supporting for supporting brutal authoritarian um yes uh regimes in, in the Middle East, like the like the house if of you know people from these countries if you know people from these countries you have no idea for one thing people think that these are like uh, muslim extremist countries which is ridiculous but if you go to the mosque too much or, or grow your beard too long you're going to you're going to be snatched up by the secret police every week every weekend and having your balls shocked until you admit to something and then they they shoot you no that's ridiculous you have they, these are radically actually they're basically fascist and fascist yeah. Socialist, yeah. basically fascist regimes, yeah. um, and secular fascists. Uh, you know, like 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 Scott was saying, um, Saddam Hussein with his shaved face, mustache, and and you know military uniforms with the national with, with yeah, something. He's office first, you know what I mean. He's not any kind of basically a national basically a national socialist of yes. Arabs. Yep. Yeah. Basically, uh, basically a Hitler of Arabs. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, that's not an understatement. Um, right. At yeah, least economically yeah. and politically, not not so much with the racial stuff, but um, yeah, with the economic. I think he's an Arab supremacist. I don't think I think he's an Arab supremacist for sure. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, like, well, maybe, but he was not very, Muslim, but Arab. Right, right, right. Arab, no, Arab. I mean, the Iranians and the Kurds. Sure, sure, sure. But I think the national identity was stronger with people like Saddam than say even like ethnic or religious ties. Do you see what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. if there was I, other. Sure. I mean, fine. They yeah. Have, yeah. It, they yeah. have Western colonial boundaries between their countries. And I totally get the impulse to have some kind of fascist over there. Like Egypt and this, we're getting off the track, but Egypt and Syria used was, were united for a few years. Like they totally could be a United could be, uh, have a lot of these countries, um, united and i think that's what they baths wanted to do um where are we going with this but people oh, yeah, but, yeah oh, but, oh, oh, osama yeah. osama let me let me finish the oh, osama. Bombing, but, but and this is what scott said bombing um iraq from saudi arabia people don't yep. understand awesome how big of a deal that is that is the country that is the arabian peninsula that is like the that is the place where the the haramain are located the holiest place in islam it'd be, it's like, like, bombing, it'd be like bombing a catholic uh church from the fucking pope's office it'd be like bombing yeah it'd be like bombing dublin from the vatican city yes right, exactly right, right, Except right. really care because the, you could vatican could just you, you know because because of what things that, like this actually do happen the uh, westerners can actually wave this away like muslims can't accept that i'm sorry like that's right. not good
And they also yes. did not like um, how close and how degenerate the house of the, the Saudi family, royal family was in our support for them. So, um, I mean, you know, I, having a like elite and like a really large elite ruling family, there's like a huge clan that just runs and owns, that's legally owns like the entire country, right? Pretty right. much, right? And, and, and along with some other oligarchs, and then obviously being, you know, decadent and degenerate as well. I mean, because they're a class above. You know the, the the regular people who are mostly poor and just live on the government dole from the oil. Like, uh, I mean, it's a terrible situation. But people don't. Un- I, th- I think people get the wrong idea of like. Well, people get the wrong idea because they can't. They actually can, but don't read Osama's le- Osama's letters. So go on, explain. Yeah. So when we were when the U.S. or when New York City, the trade tenors trade center towers were attacked on nine eleven. They named, you know, um, allegedly, they, named, <laughs> they, they were there. I'm pretty sure, yeah. they were. um, that's in a conversation for another time. But, um, when they were attacked on 9 11, um, they named, you know, they named the um, the hijackers in Osama bin Laden, and they told the, the American people that he hates us for our freedoms and he doesn't like that your wife wears short skirts and, um, <laughs> He's just he's he hates how just awesome we are and um how we never did anything to anybody and he just hates that he can't yeah. stand it and it's because he's crazy yeah. because he's a religious fundamentalist look at his beard look how crazy he is and there's no other reason but he named his reasons and his reasons were American foreign policy for fucking 20 years right did now, I knew who spouting like Osama bin Laden fucking propaganda or something this is not saying uh, that okay, i support osama bin laden i'm just saying like you have to understand the full context and the reasons why because if you don't it's just going to keep happening do you understand if you just believe that the, he just he's just crazy and he just hates that your mom wears blue jeans he just fucking can't stand that and he wants to uh sharia law in fucking the united states and whatever else if you believe that then this is just going to keep repeating itself. If you don't yeah, understand the context and the cause and effect of why this happens, such as American foreign policy that led to this, then it's never going to, it's just going to keep repeating itself. And the same is true right here for Putin. It doesn't mean Putin's a fucking awesome guy or I support Putin or whatever the fuck, but there's a cause and effect like dominoes fall here that, um, it's just going to lead to like you poke, you keep poking a strong man too many times. He's going to poke back. And now innocent people are fucking dying over it. You see what I'm saying? So it's not like yeah. we have to support Osama bin Laden or support Putin to understand what the fucking facts are of the path of American foreign policy for the past fucking 30 years. Sorry. Look, I, it's very simple. I don't get anything out of playing these NATO expansion games and surrounding Russia with, with ballistic missiles. I don't get any. I don't. I don't get anything. I personally don't get anything out of it. They, the Russians, do actually have a reason to not want missiles right over their border. You know, able to be able to fire it and be able to blow up. God only knows whatever they're aimed at. Um, these aren't like huge ICBMs, but they're. Uh, you know, they have a very short flight time of right over the border from their country because 
their president can't stop NATO from expanding eventually to every around the entirety of Russia, apparently. Um, yeah, they have something a lot more to fear than I do. NATO not being able to expand to Ukraine right. or Kazakhstan or Georgia or whoever, wherever else they want to take and, and make, you know, another one of their basically colonies. And I totally get like the other situation, like, uh, you, you, you know, well, Russia's invaded or been involved with these countries. Like it's only makes sense for like Georgia and in and, and Ukraine and in and, and Poland, which is a NATO member to want, um, you know, protection and in the Baltic states, I guess, they want protection against uh, a, a bellicose Russia that's willing to actually invade other countries. But like, uh, that's not the that's not the full story. Like, I get it, but you, you know, like Scott pointed out, uh, Putin laid out. And I remember when it happened, I was listening to a live stream that was being translated live of like Putin um, giving a speech talking about his denazification peacekeeping thing and he's doing and and the ukraine and there were all these rumors because the rumors spread faster than even the first footage of like cruise missiles hitting but um like he may, he lays it out pretty clear we, we pretty much know that uh i i think that it's just regular human empathy of the that you reverse the roles and see what would you think if you were in that situation it's not hard it's just basic human it's basic human empathy, basic, you know, how, how, what would I think if I was a Russian in this situation? What would I demand my government do if the, if the, if the number one role of the government is protect the protect people from like a foreign aggression? You know, so I totally get it. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be my first move. I would I would want diplomacy and as i as i do now you know what i mean but like you're right i understand and empathize with the fear just like i have fear about the potential for world war three and and that sort of thing now like i i can empathize with the ukrainian and the russian people you know i don't want any of this to happen if i had my way none of this would be happening you know so like i i understand um and I'm no fan of NATO either. So I like I, I definitely understand to me, um, you know, NATO is uh is one of the greater evils in the world, to be honest. But um so yes, I can understand being afraid, you know, being a, a Russian and having uh, a Russian person and having um you know, NATO. missiles pointed yeah, NATO and missiles pointed at you, you know. And I don't even know if I don't see that's the thing. Putin's a politician. I don't know how much he really believes like this is an actual threat or if he's just using it like picture an American politician, right? And some other countries doing some fuckery. They're going to use it as an excuse, even if they don't believe it's like a really legitimate threat, you know? So even if it's like, even if it is a legitimate threat, they'll play it up and they'll fucking do whatever they want because of it instead of like doing something smart like diplomacy, you know? So, um, I don't know. These are fucking scummy politicians and, you know, fucking Putin's a thug and a murderer. So I don't know. So like, I don't, I don't trust Putin either. You know, like, do you think he really believes that? Oh, I'm worried about the Americans shooting missiles into fucking Moscow. Maybe. 
I bet you the a lot of the fucking Russian people do. You know, that might be a concern for Putin, but he's also probably going to be like, well, I'm going to fucking take advantage of this situation. And I don't know. But here's the thing that the only the ar- argument against that is the Donbass voted and Crimea voted to join the Russian Federation. And Putin said no. So why didn't he just do it then? Like if he's just doing this, if he's just expanding to expand his own political base and power and Russian territory, why didn't he just take it when it was offered to him without having to bring his army in? So that's the only argument against what I'm saying. Um, But I I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Um, So I, I don't know what it is, but I don't trust any of these fucking people, including Putin or Biden, or Zelensky. And um, I think they're all fucking scumbags. And uh, like I said, the real victims here, well, the Russian people, the fucking um, Ukrainian people, and the fucking American people. You know what I mean? Because we're the ones that are now under threat of nuclear war, paying for all this. My money is now going to arm fucking Nazis. I don't like Nazis. And so I don't want my money going to the Azov Battalion. Thanks. Yeah, uh, you know, there's three of them, and and, and people will say like, uh, you know, the to, to the political wing of that, the right sector is like, they're not exactly part of the government. They're often protesting against the government and everything, dude. They're a large portion of, but they they have a lot of sympathy in the population of that country, and frankly, they're they have. I'm sorry, I don't know any other any other country in Europe that has Nazi battalions there, that stand. There is zero. I mean, you might say that that Indian party is pretty close, but no. I I said in Europe. I said in Europe. I said okay. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. There's no Nazi party, as far as I know. There's no Nazi battalions. There's not one single Nazi battalion in any NATO military. But over in Ukraine, there's three. And don't get me wrong. I know some anarchists that have said something really smart. And that's there. There are way more Nazis in Russia than there are in Ukraine, and I, I'm sure there are. Nazis, Is there like legit yeah, Nazis, Nazbols, and stuff like that? I, I, There's probably I, I, that, I, but are they in the government and army? Maybe, probably. Well, I don't, I don't even know what you would consider. I mean, once you're in the government and army, yeah, it's a pretty fascist country. I mean, I mean, sure. They're actually not. Here's the thing, man. So people say that about Russia. Oh, it's an it's an oligarchy. Okay, it's just America with less steps. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's got less. Yes, there are less steps involved for sure. I mean, when they when they when they. No, no, no. I should say this. It's it's America with less fig leaves. It's America without hiding it behind the curtain. That what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, basically. So, so yeah, it's pretty brutal what they do when they went and and, and took took these countries, um, and and introduced introduced them to capitalism. They did it in a very interesting way. And we're going to go way off topic here, but they did it in a very interesting way. Well, you need to just kind of create a market economy out of nothing. So they just went to the people that were, I guess, I guess, had whatever ability to project what power, power over stuff. You know, political power and. You know, actually running certain factories and state industries and stuff and literally like they just assigned ownership to stuff to allow a, a market economy to function and uh those people made billions and billions and billions of dollars way more than probably like they got ri- way more richer and powerful than probably the political theorists 
would have thought would be healthy for a country, I would assume. But that was, was the fast way to introduce capitalism into the admittedly basically state capitalist um, Soviet, but non really non market based Soviet economy. So when you say they, and, you're um, talking about America, yeah. like the U.S. Oh, government. Like, like one University of Chicago economist over there to yep. to divvy everything up and, and to run off with half of it. I'm pretty sure. I'm yep. pretty sure I heard Scott Horton say that. It sounds like something Scott would say. Yeah, it's uh, the Harvard boys is actually who it was. Yeah, that's who they call Harvard. them, the Harvard boys. We sent we yeah. sent the CIA and economists and think tanks and political theorists and whatever over there to. I read this originally somewhere else. To gangsterize uh, that entire they, country as the Soviet Union fell. Yes, that's what the because, US yeah yeah the CIA is kind of cool with it because they want to have a limited number of nexuses that they have to control yes. and, ha and have at least some ability to a, a predict and b control and have leverage over, and then the economists should be like yeah well just just assign private ownership to these industries and the market economy will work itself out, and then I'm sure there are political theorists that say no this is not going to be good, but I mean those those two factions are satisfied there. I don't. This is very on point with actual podcast, but that's what I, from what I understand happened in these countries, and it's like that's a brutal. It's a brutal way. So I guess this goes back to something I wanted to say before we close this up. Okay, is it like we're talking about like how can the Russian people actually have like see like. Kharkov and Kiev and now even like Lvov or Lviv or whatever you want to depending on what language it is how how can people stand to see these countries Kharkov it could be leveled um and how did the Russian Russian people it's like basically right over the big all things considered it's basically right over the border from Russia how do um Russians can Russians stand to see that uh, besides, you know, being thrown in jail if they question the war, but how can Russians like accept that at all? And you've just got to ask how much power, how much like ability the Russians do Russians, everyday Russians have to even change anything. And how would sanctions my point? Like, even if they're, yeah, even if they're sanctions. not for it or uh, like, well, I mean, not suit like uh, sort of ambivalent or against it, what are they going to do? Like, how much do you think the American people have been against war for a long time? And it still just goes right. It goes on and on and on like a fucking uh, like an undead zombie. You know what I mean? So like I like you were just saying, how much power do they really have and how much do they actually really support it? Who knows? Like they they'd probably just feel powerless to stop it. So what are you going to do? Because I don't have a good. I don't have a good way to stop war in our own fucking country. So I'm supposed to expect yeah, the, yeah. the I'm supposed to expect the Russians to stop Putin. You know what I mean? Like, uh, okay. I mean, I wish they could, but I don't know. I don't know how that's done. You know what I mean? Oh, vote, vote the bastards out. Okay. Well, it doesn't seem to matter either. The wars just keep going. So I don't know. So I, I can't blame the Russian people either. They probably aren't super big fans of it either. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, uh, you can't. Well, they're not because their their conscripts are getting sent back in body bags. So I can't believe they're very happy with that. Um, and it is shady, like what they're doing. Like I don't think there's. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We, I don't really want to talk about the, how the war's actually been going because that's just a whole other thing. We kind of brought it up with with Magnus and, and people, but um, there's probably, if we were Russian, 
we'd probably have a whole bunch of different conspiracy theories to talk about too, because the whole—I mean, that's that's a very shady place. But um, I think we had a really good conversation. I think we should, we should probably wrap it up. Um, we actually yeah, went yeah. way longer than expected, so we're going on like two hours now. But um, wow, I think this has been a a great conversation, and really one that. I've been saying we needed to do a porn policy thing for a long time, and then we basically didn't because we, we you booked all these guests. Like you've done a really great job in in, in like networking and getting all these people on, but it's like uh, then the Ukraine happened, so kind of kind of had to happen at this point. Right now, it was it was good, and I'm always happy to talk about anti-war. So, uh, but yeah, we should wrap this up. I gotta I gotta get going for sure, but um, yeah, but no, it's, after been, it's been good. Um, but we should uh, we should quit it here. Okay. Well, well uh, uh, fuck war and be excellent excellent to each other. Yeah. Um, let's go, Brandon. And no war. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace.